Graduates Conversations podcast. Hi, thanks for tuning in. My name is Fatih and I'm the host of the Conversations podcast powered by All Graduates Interpreting and Translating Services. I really hope you're enjoying our podcasts. Please make sure to subscribe to our channels. You can find us on YouTube, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and Spotify. Now, if you have any topics you'd like me to cover, or if you have any guests you'd like me to interview, please send me an email with your ideas. My email address is fatih at allgraduates.com.au. That's fatih, F-A-T-I-H, at allgraduates.com.au. Thanks again, and enjoy today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Conversations Podcast. And today, I am very lucky indeed to have with me Gemma Ives. Hello, Gemma. How are you? Hi, Fatih. Thanks for having me. I'm really well. What about yourself? Very good. Thank you. And thanks again for joining me today. I'll briefly introduce Gemma to all of you out there. Um, I met Gemma first at RMIT, and she was my teacher. So I'm very lucky enough to be taught by her. And um, Gemma... In addition to being an interpreter, she's also a conference interpreter as well as an interpreter trainer um, currently at uh, Monash University. And uh, she's completed her master's uh, of TNI at RMIT. And she has been interpreting uh, for politicians, international athletes, farmers, Aboriginal elders, tour guides. So very, very experienced indeed. And she's also just um, recently been appointed as uh, being in the editorial committee for In Touch magazine um, for Ozit. And um, we had a little bit of a chat with Haley as well a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so yes, I, thank, I did listen to that one. Thank yes. you very much for making the connection. You're very um, welcome. Today, look, there's a lot of things uh, we can talk about with you, Gemma, um, with your amazing background, but uh, I want to particularly concentrate on video remote interpreting in a community setting today with you, if that's all right. Sure. Um, now, as, as we can all appreciate uh, with COVID-19, the, the shift, shift to video remote interpreting almost happened overnight, didn't it? Yes, it was certainly a steep learning curve, I think, for everyone involved, not just interpreters, but the users, the practitioners, the clients, and everyone in between on that long chain of command that we know exists in community interpreting. Indeed, um, from uh, governing organisations to institutions, um, to practitioners and, and all other stakeholders, like you said. And, uh, and I think it's still a work in progress. Uh, there's a lot that's been done in the last few months, but I think there's still a lot that needs to be done in order to get this as close to perfect as possible. Yeah, there's nothing like a crisis to um, certainly uh, move things into action, mobilise the troops, so to speak. Um, I saw a statistic the other day, one of the hospitals I visited, saying that there'd been a 2,100% increase in telehealth appointments. So that's pretty, pretty big. Well, yeah, I mean, telehealth was always there, but it was never mm -hmm. being utilised for this purpose as much as it was, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. And I don't think even a lot of a lot of healthcare professionals had any idea of telehealth even existing, let alone how to use it. Yes, I think some of the doctors have also. I mean, just like we have as an interpret as interpreters, everyone's had to adapt, including the doctors. And you know, they they probably think that they've they've done all their training; they don't need to learn <laughs> extra things on top of that. So, yeah, it's been a year of learning, I would say. Little did they know, they just had to add a little bit onto their little bit more onto their skill set. 
Yeah. Um, now, when when you made the shift to video remote interpreting, uh, were you ready for it? Was your house ready for it? Was your internet connection ready for it? Did you have the technology? Because it happened so quickly. I mean, were you actually ready for it? Well, I guess I'd haven't, I didn't do a lot of video remote interpreting in the first couple of months of the pandemic, primarily because I was teaching interpreters and my main focus at the time was adapting to teaching online, which was enough of a challenge in itself. Um, but that experience did get me ready for, I mean, it was basically the same thing. I was training interpreters to do interpreting over the video. So um, uh, setting myself up in that way, but I had to upgrade my internet connection. I had to buy a new headset, which took, you know, it's not just a matter of going online and buying it. You know, you have to do the research, find out what, what you're looking for, you know, understand a little bit more about it, understand that you might want uh, a headset, which has, for example, noise cancelling uh, properties and things like that. So, um, and then rearrange your, rearrange my desk around, you know, it's um, something of a shared space, you know, it is my office, but there are other things going on in here as well. So um, yeah, there, there's a lot to, there's a lot to do, I think. I definitely agree with you. I mean, I had to also upgrade my internet. Um, I mean, it gave me the excuse, I guess, I was going to do it anyway, but I was like, oh, definitely can't do this on the good old ADSL. Um, yeah. And uh, had to move the rooms around, like you said, had to make sure that I had all the applications that all kind of different um, institutions use or agencies use. And just uh, having the know-how as well of, um, you know, how to work with the software. Yeah, exactly. And there's not, it's not just like there's one platform. There's, uh, you know, there's a multitude of platforms, at least five or six, and they're all slightly different. You know, no one had heard of Zoom in February. And now I don't think there's anyone who hasn't used Zoom, including, you know, relatives that I know in their 70s. Um, so, yeah, there's there's a lot to know. And they're all slightly different. It's, I think as... Um, as contractor interpreters working for all these agencies, every agency has a slightly different set of guidelines or That's standards right. or expectations. So this, um, we have to be very flexible and very adaptable as interpreters in general. And I think this has highlighted that fact. Indeed. And we've always been going on about professional development, how we always have to stay up to date with everything that's going on around the world. And this indeed is the perfect example of um, staying up to date with that, especially with technology um, uh, these days, for sure. Um, what are some of the challenges that you faced uh, personally when we started doing this video remote interpreting overnight? Um, I think, I guess... I guess one of the main differences with interpreting, I mean, telephone interpreting is a whole other story, but if we compare video interpreting with face-to-face, -face, because I don't know, I guess video is in the middle. We can't really say it's more like phone or more like face-to-face, -face, but if we compare it to face-to-face, -to -face, you know, we're usually sitting, you know, we're, we're trained at university. We train interpreters um, at universities to, you know, we have this sort of triangular um, setup where you have the practitioner and the client um, in an ideal in an ideal situation, facing one another, talking to one another, and an interpreter in a sort of triangle to the side. Now, when it comes to video interpreting, you know, you're looking at a screen, there's no triangle, you know, the client um, it may not even know who's the interpreter, who's the doctor, who's the extra health professional there, who's present. Um, so there's sort of, I think there's an extra need for 
we're lacking some contextual information. So we need to make sure we're really clear about introducing ourselves, explaining our role. We might like to mention that we're working in a, um, in a private space because that's not clear. You know, it, no one can tell that I'm sitting in a closed room, you know, with the door closed um, and things like that. So, um, and the other thing I think is a big challenge in video interpreting is eye contact. So we always talk about eye contact when we're training and, you know, you're not really aware of eye contact when you're um, face to face with somebody, but on video interpreting, I mean, my, my camera on my, um, my all in one computer here at my desk is at the bottom. So it's very difficult to look below the screen at the camera, you know, naturally, I want to, I want to look at you. I want to look at the person in the video. So the, there's just extra things to think about. I definitely know where you're coming from. Like I'm looking at you when you're speaking now, but I'm actually not looking at you because I'm not looking at the camera, right? So mm. now you know that I'm looking at you, for example. Um, but yeah, it's it's so very important now. I think um, that whole setting the contract, professional introduction. We, if, if you're not already doing it out there as a practicing interpreter, it's really time to now to integrate that into your, yes. you know, your routine of interpreting. Mm. I think um, yeah. it really will help clear uh, your role, but also will comfort, especially the non-English speaker. For them, they must be really, you know, out of their comfort space. Yes, and and you you there's just certainly. I mean, we feel it in the streets. You know, if 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 you're going out, you feel it in the streets. There's a there's a heightened level of stress. There's a heightened level of anxiety around in general. So you even detect this when you're video interpreting. You know, the professional, the health professional is stressed. They haven't been led into the call properly, or somebody hasn't trained them properly on how to use how to use the platform. And then, I mean. They're the one who's sort of meant to be in control. They're the one who's hosting the, the meeting or the appointment. And then, of course, as you mentioned, the non-English speaker often, of course, we're often working with elderly communities, um, very little computer literacy. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's stressful. And that level of stress doesn't really lead to a great setting of rapport. So I think we have to, where possible, facilitate that by the introductions, by being really clear by um, setting those kind of boundaries, you know, as you would do um, or as you should do in a face-to-face -face interaction as well. You're definitely right um, when we say that, uh, you know, the healthcare professional or the professional, they might have had very little training on this. And obviously the non-English speaker would have had zero training on this in particular. I think um, within that triangle, the interpreter seems to be with the most training uh, so far you know well in some cases but I I mean I imagine that there are many interpreters who are also really struggling with adapting um, and and have that same level of stress and you know we all have differing abilities in technology and I mean when I you know back in March when it was week one of university was cancelled and then we went to week two and from memory that was cancelled too um, and then it was suddenly like okay next week you're going to be teaching conference interpreting online like I found that really stressful mm. um, and you know it, my way of dealing with that was simply going online and just doing a lot of PD myself to get my head around it and so I could feel comfortable because you know you want to be the one who's the most comfortable I think if possible. And and you're right. The, the in a few of the jobs that I did, uh, the professionals always like, can you please sort this out? I can't get the patient. 
Um, can you put yeah. us all in the same room? And like, I actually don't have the technology to do that. Like, yeah. I don't know what to do. Just sort it out for me. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And there's a lot of practitioners who who, who struggle with technology. Um, you know, there's one particular um, one particular job I've been doing every two weeks. Uh, we started out doing it over the phone, and then it's been kind of migrated onto to video. We've tried a couple of different platforms now, and every single week the client has trouble connecting. So we spend, you know, out of the hour appointment, we spend about 15 to 20 minutes um, getting the client connected um, a bit of phone call you know f- over the phone while on video it's all it's complicated um, but over time we we've also kind of managed to get it to work and one thing that um, this particular job is counseling so mm-hmm. it's particularly it's a space where um, the rapport the relationship is re- between the practitioner and the client is really important so one suggestion um, that we've kind of tried um, working together with a practitioner this is with a counselor uh, was t- for the interpreter for me to turn my video off because we were sort of finding that the rapport between the client and the practitioner wasn't really there or the the, the client was sort of looking more at me almost distracting yeah exactly and even the environment like the the counselor had set up her sort of you know the space behind her with a candle a plant a very relaxing place for a counseling session to 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 take place so um, so we've tried turning off the interpreter and that's actually working better for that for that particular purpose so I think we have to always be flexible adaptable as interpreters and and that's something that's mentioned in the Aussie um, yeah yeah I was I was going to mention that as well you know if required the interpreter can turn the camera off especially if it's um, I think it was saying simultaneous interpreting it would be uh, recommended to yeah particularly for simultaneous yeah yeah um yeah as as simultaneous interpreters, we usually don't like to be seen as well. We're normally parked at the back, you know, in a in a <laughs> in a booth with dark glass, tinted glass. So, um, yes, but yeah, I think yeah, we need to be. I mean, in general, I would keep my video on as an interpreter, but I think it's good to keep that in mind and be flexible and work with the with our our partners, I guess, in the job. And um, what do you think? Sometimes, especially with the more elderly um, non-English speakers there always seems to be someone else in the room to help out with the technology, whether it be a son, daughter, or a, or a grandchild, um, mm-hmm. where, you know, they wouldn't be there normally, but because they would need to help out with the technology, all of a sudden you have this extra person there. And I'm always wondering, you know, is, is, is the patient or the non-English speaker, are they able to comfortably talk about everything with this added person there? Yeah, it's uh, it certainly raises the the issue of confidentiality, um, um, and also as we all know that challenging uh, that challenging situation of interpreting in a kind of a group meeting where you know there tends to be this tendency for the family to start speaking in English with the with the medical professionals or the legal professionals or whatever it might be. Um, yeah, it's challenging. I think one thing I'd really like to see would be, um, and I know that. This is going to take time because this has been a long process. But one thing I'd really like to see would be both the everyone in the call, so the the professionals as well as the non-English speakers, where possible, using headphones. Mm. And I think that does um, give a, a slight, slightly better level of confidentiality and also sound quality, um, because. You know, I think there's many people who don't understand the risks of using headphones for hours on end. Yes, um, that's another point to make, actually. You know, 
Okay, let's talk about some of the positives of video remote interpreting from the perspective of the interpreter. Um, you, you're at home from the comfort of your own home. Uh, if you had face-to-face -face jobs, you would have done three, maximum four face-to-face -face jobs. If you're lucky enough to get the times right and the geography right from one point to the other. So now mm -hmm. potentially you can fill out your entire working day with video interpreting. All right, so exactly. you might yeah. do seven, eight, nine, ten. Who knows? Yeah. I think what you could, you yeah, could, right? But you shouldn't. <laughs> yes, exactly. I so, recommend so coming it, yeah. there, I mean, first of all, mentally, it's it's much more demanding, I think, than face to face, uh, like cognitively, much more demanding. Um, secondly, you'll be seated all the time. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. you're not moving around. You've always got your headphones on, and if it's not a good quality set of headphones, that could actually do more harm than good for you. Exactly. Right. Yep. And all of a sudden you think you're doing more work and it might be better for you financially, but then you've got all these other risks that you need to mitigate as well. And I yeah. think that we really need to talk about these um, issues. Mm, yeah. I mean, there, I mean, some of these things are mentioned in uh, mentioned by Ozit in the Ozit protocol for video uh, remote interpreting, mm -hmm. but they're not, they don't tend to be things that the language service providers um, really think about or communicate to the interpreters. So things like a comfortable chair, um, really important if you're working at a desk all day and you know we people who work in offices know know about ergonomics but people like interpreters who are out and about in the field don't necessarily pay that much attention so a good chair a good set of headphones um, I think it's really important to take a break from interpreting uh, you know after every job I would say definitely um, walk around the block go outside get some fresh air it's, it's easy to get sort of working, working, working and not, not getting away from the desk. Um, there's been a lot of research about acoustic shock mm -hmm. as well. So um, that might be caused uh, by two, one of two things. One of them is um, sudden loud noise, which is out of your control. So on the end, on the other end of one of the participants. Um, and the other thing is being exposed to loud volumes through headphones for long periods. So these are all things to take into consideration. And one recommendation that's very easy to um, implement is simply lowering your volume. So you might, you, it's a, there's a tendency, especially when you're stressed and when things are confusing to turn up the volume mm -hmm. on your end, so the volume you're hearing, but I think it's um, where possible. Keep, keep, keep that in mind and keep lowering the volume. Uh, that's right. And also I think um, by lowering the volume as well, you'll be taking care of your own voice too. And, exactly. Right. And, um, you know, if you're doing six, seven, eight plus jobs a day and you're talking so much and all of a sudden, because, you know, you're, you're hearing your voice now through probably your inner system as opposed to your ears, you've got the headphones on and you just want to speak louder. And I know, I know that um, it just tends to happen, especially when mm. you're doing job after job after job. And by the end of the day, you might really end up with a you know coarse voice and you might end yeah. up with nodules in the long run if you don't yeah. carry your voice. I mean, as much Cake, as- tight neck, oh, everything. everything. I've, I've been through it yeah. all. <laughs> as much as I really like this idea of video remote interpreting and it's working well at the moment and it's providing a service. And I think it's gonna be around for a while, even when mm. we do go back to a normal, it might, you know, we, we might not do every single job with video interpreting, but it will definitely be more than it used to be, yeah. I think. 
It's not going away. Yeah, I think if there's any interpreters out there who are thinking, oh, I'm just going to wait for this to subside and then just go back to normal life. I don't think that's going to happen. Like, I think now's the time. If you haven't started doing video interpreting yet, you should really look into it. That's right. And uh, we said, you know, many different agencies have different protocols and approaches, but at least now we have the OZIT um, video remote uh, interpreting protocols that uh, we can all take as a basis. There's recommendations there for organizers, and of course, there's recommendations there for interpreters too. Um, so if you haven't already seen the protocols, uh, you can download them from the OZIT website, and I'll make sure to put a link on the description for the um, uh, for this episode as well. Um, so We've already spoken about some of the recommendations uh, in regards to the technology and the ergonomics. Um, is there anything that comes to mind, anything else that comes to mind? Uh, so that especially those of you, those interpreters maybe that haven't yet looked into video interpreting or um, that don't have as much experience as yourself. Mm. What other things can you think of? Um, I think just there's always a risk of a dropout and if that happens you don't have to feel responsible just you know take a deep breath reconnect um find the instructions for reconnecting because they're always embedded in some email from two weeks ago um but yeah it's happened it happened to me many times when I was teaching and it's happened on other occasions as well so no matter how good your internet is it's not completely 100% reliable um so be prepared for that um but yeah, I think like always just working together, try to consider the, the people you're working with as your, as your teammates. So you think of the professional as a teammate and, you know, ideally it's really great to have the opportunity to have a briefing with that person and just ask them, you know, what are the goals for the session? Mm -hmm. Look, it really, it's going to work well if we do this. If this happens, we could try this. If I drop out, I'll, I'll be right back. So don't worry about it. Um, you know, it's sort of setting up that kind of collaborative um way of working I think really helps it's it's a new world for everyone um so yeah. I think you're right on the money there uh, collaboration is key briefing debriefing is key yeah. Um, yeah another thing in regards to the internet connection I think uh, it's important to uh, consider that you're at home probably with another partner who's also working from home with children yeah. who are going to school from home who are learning mm -hmm. from, you might have children just on the PlayStation, you know, playing a yeah. shoot them up <laughs> game that might eat a lot of um, data. Uh, so, yeah. you know, maybe when you have an interpreting job, if you can communicate with the other family members to uh, take it easy on the internet a little bit, you know, for the duration of it. So again, like communication with your fellow co-workers I guess you know in, yeah. in the same in the same household as well yeah definitely yeah um, my partner plays the drums um so and teaches drums as well so yeah there definitely has to be a bit of communication about that I definitely can't interpret while the drum lesson is happening so yeah it's um there's there's it's a stressful time um you know I think everyone has been riding this um very big waves of ups and downs but um yeah I think one thing to keep in mind is that in my opinion video interpreting is much better than phone interpreting I always feel I always feel very tired Definitely. and stressed after doing any phone interpreting just that extra cognitive load of figuring out who's on the call where they are are they together are they separate what's the background how old is this person? Is this person a man or a woman? You know, all those 
questions you have to ask yourself while you're interpreting. Um, so it's definitely better than video in, than phone interpreting. And I think, um, yeah, there's it's just easier to see someone to gauge those nonverbal cues. There's, there's a, there has a lot going for it. And um, although there are some challenges, I think it's worth persisting with video remote interpreting. I think so too. It's definitely given us a, a much better alternative to telephone interpreting. I guess telephone interpreting will always be there as well, um, but it's good to see that video interpreting has kind of stepped up into that position in between those two mediums. And um, and I think what's going to happen is there's going to be a lot of lot more research, a lot more uh, protocols that will be released over time, and we will we will wait and see, and um, and hopefully it just gets better and better. Yeah, I think it will. I think um, yeah, it's a, it's been a learning curve, but it's only going to get better. So um, we'll get there. Indeed, indeed, Gemma, thank you so much for your time, and I look forward to speaking with you again. Thanks, Fatih. All Graduates Conversations Podcast.